2: 18.
1: Hello, I'm Robert Kelly, and today on Record All Monsters, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and Personal Identity.
3: Fuji he is a cyborg.
2: Cyborg? Hmm. It is made out of the space metal. You could call it a mecha Godzilla. That's it. And Quiris had come out to call for Godzilla.
1: has been said by who well it depends on who you ask but it has been said that there are only two stories a man goes on a journey and a stranger comes to town really this could be boiled down to one story as the stranger in town is a man on a journey but I digress I would like to add a third story Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla you might think I'm joking but I'm kind of not You see, I've had a very long time to think about this movie. Longer than I've ever had to think about anything, maybe. If you're a long-time listener, you know that I first saw this movie when I was but a lad of three years. I've told the story on guest appearances on other podcasts and essays for friends' publications, and once even as a stand-up comedy bit that went over surprisingly well. So I'll only recount it here briefly. When I was three years old... After being picked up from preschool, my mom took my three sisters and I grocery shopping. This was part of our usual Friday routine. Getting groceries for the week and weekend after school. Once we'd been to the store, we would go to Hollywood Video across the street and have around 15 minutes to pick out a movie. Like all three-year-olds, since the mid-19th century, I was obsessed with dinosaurs and would usually rent something dinosaur-related. As I walked down the aisle labeled Sci-Fi... I saw one of the most beautiful things I had encountered up to that point in my life. A tape. The tape. I couldn't read super well, but I could recognize the word God, like a good Catholic boy, and Z-I-L-L-A. Godzilla. Godzilla. It was a dinosaur fighting, holy crap, a robot dinosaur. Again, I've told this story many times, and maybe more times than I've watched the movie, and that's a lot. This is a movie that I can breathe in and out instead of air. I can drink it like water, eat it like food, watch it four times instead of sleeping. I've had this movie's babies. Record All Monsters is one of them. I've known it my whole life. It's a key part of my childhood, my young adult life, and now as an adult. It introduced me to Godzilla, who has no joke, been one of my best and most faithful friends since I was three years old. It is a part of my identity as a human being, and I think that carries no small amount of irony, since identity is one of the key themes of this movie. I believe that this is a particularly good introductory film for new Godzilla fans, It's upfront and casual about its exposition, and whether or not you think that's lazy, you can't deny that it's brutally effective at moving the story along. That means that you can keep up with what's happening, not just in the film, but in the Godzilla movies up to this point, sort of. He's a hero, but also a giant monster. Sometimes things get destroyed when he's around. And having Mechagodzilla act the way Godzilla did when he first arrived on the scene 20 years before draws attention to this fact. While the story for this film was penned by our good friend Shinichi Sekizawa, the actual screenplay was written by director Jun Fukuda. Back at the helm for the third time in a row, fifth overall, and last time in the series. I think much of the storytelling efficiency comes from his lack of patience working on the Godzilla movies, but his style is just too much fun, and he's overall too good of a director for this lack of care that he had to really tank the movie, at least in my opinion. As much nostalgia as I have for this movie, I think it holds up pretty well. There's a definite feeling of triumph at the series having been around for 20 years, as well as a generally more adult tone. With Masuro Sato returning to do the score, it fits right in with Wakuda's earlier work for the franchise in the 60s. It's also just one of my favorite film scores in general. The bright, bold horns and the driving percussion make it unforgettable. Sado also makes several subtle callbacks to some of Akira Epukube's themes, while keeping true to his own sensibilities as a songwriter and composer. This was the 20th anniversary film for the character of Godzilla, and he had progressed over that time from a destructive manifestation of humanity's sin into a friend, ally, and protector. I can't emphasize this point enough. Godzilla, as a character, was a villain, and now is a superhero. And the same reasons he had been a villain were the very same reasons he could become the hero he did become. These facts are highlighted in Godzilla vs. Hedora, where our child protagonist tells his uncle that Godzilla and Superman are his favorite heroes. This characterization holds true over the next two movies as well. In Godzilla vs. Gigan, he's a vigilant guardian, sending Anguirus to investigate strange noises coming from Japan and then making a plan of action. In Godzilla vs. Megalon, he is summoned by Jaguar and his creators to help fight the invading monsters. So when we first see Godzilla in this movie, and he's destroying things and fighting his now-established good buddy Anguirus, the movie tells us something is seriously wrong.
2: Something's wrong. Anguirus shouldn't attack his friend Godzilla.
1: As a three-year-old, I remember feeling very comfortable being dropped into this world. The movie begins after a wonderfully scored and atmospheric pre-credit scene, with the princess of the royal Izumi family of Okinawa dancing for tourists. She's interrupted by a vision of a monster destroying the world, which conforms to an old Okinawan prophecy. Godzilla appears shortly after and begins destroying things. Is he the monster the princess foretold? He can't be, though. Godzilla's our friend, right? The characters very casually and helpfully let you know this is not how this normally works. He's acting suspiciously, and we need to get to the bottom of it. When the real Godzilla appears and beats the false skin off of Mechagodzilla everything is made clear. In the past, I have referred to mercenary screenwriting, meaning a no-frills way of approaching scripts. And this film is a good example. All of what I described above happens in the first 30 minutes. The next 30 minutes set up the rest of our story, a race against time and some ape-faced spacemen for possession of the idol representing the protector god of the royal Izumi family of Okinawa a big fluffy lion dog named King Shisa. When the aliens fail to capture the idol, they unleash Mechagodzilla. Our human heroes summon King Shisa, but humanity seems to be doomed until Godzilla returns. The remaining half hour is the three monsters brawling with the fate of the world in the balance. It's beautiful, and if you're a three-year-old kid, life-changing. I say that with no exaggeration. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla changed my life. The theme of identity runs throughout the film. The interpersonal relationships between our rather large cast of characters are strangely detailed, but also surprisingly simple. Spelunker Masahiko's brother, Keisuke, works with an archeologist named Seiko, who was a student of their uncle, Professor Miyajima, whose daughter, Ikuko, assist him periodically this complex web of familial professional academic relationships can be seen as a parallel to the complicated relationship between the four monsters in the film though that's probably a stretch much less stretchy is the false identity of the sinister reporter who seems to be stalking our heroes but turns out to be an interpol agent named namura making sure they return the statue of king caesar to the okinawan royal family He's a reflection of both Mechagodzilla's false identity as the real Godzilla and the ape-faced black hole aliens disguised as human men. The villain's deceived to get close enough to attack, but Namura deceives in order to be close enough to protect. The black hole aliens are, apparently, superior to humans in every way. But when Godzilla damages Mechagodzilla in their initial skirmish, they must rely on Professor Miyajima to do the actual repairs. And so they kidnap him and his daughter. In the same way, Mechagodzilla is apparently superior to the original Godzilla in every way, but he is a robot and must function solely as instructed. Godzilla, however, as a flesh-and-blood animal, can learn and adjust, and in the ballsiest, stupidest, most amazing deus ex machina ever put to film, is able to turn himself into a magnetic pole with little to no explanation there's a possible explanation that made perfect sense to me when I was three, but I won't get too into it here. Godzilla pulls a fleeing Mechagodzilla close enough to rip his freaking head off by turning himself once again, inexplicably, into a magnetic pole. The good guys blow up the alien bays, King and returns to his home in the mountain, and Godzilla returns to the sea. Our real finale, however, is a mirror of the film's first scene after the opening credits, the princess of the royal Izumi family running cheerfully towards her grandfather as her main characters look on. These two scenes act as bookends, continuing the theme of duality that runs through the film. The pride of the Izumis is restored. Their identity is restored. It comes back to that little joke I made at the start of the episode About there only being three stories a man goes on a journey can cover many classic monster and horror movies frankenstein comes to mind as the titular doctor and his creation go on journeys of humility and self-discovery respectively a stranger comes to town fits nicely over both dracula and the wolfman even the original godzilla from 1954 fits this mold jokingly I added Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, but the truth is, it fits as an archetypal story about identity and duality with an individual, writ large in an actual opponent, the kind of bad guy who tells the hero, we're not so different, you and I. The story of John Henry is one that's close to my heart and also an obvious example. John Henry must assert his humanity over the cold, soulless efficiency of the steam drill. The Dark Knight is actually a good illustration of this as well, since the Joker is a reflection of Batman, bucking the system to meet his goals, taking the same measures to the extreme, and removing the humanity and compassion, what little there is sometimes, from what Batman does. The twin hero and villain are a very old trope, and can even be found in the man going on a journey and the stranger coming to town. I find reducing this idea to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is actually extremely helpful, Godzilla is what is good, thinking, feeling, and even redeemed within us. He was the villain once, and now he's the hero. Mechagodzilla is an empty shell, driven by malevolent intent, a deadly saw blade meant to needlessly cut down the unruly tree, which is beautiful but mildly inconvenient, because its growth can't be controlled. My original idea for Record All Monsters was Born the Night I Saw Godzilla King of the Monsters in 2019. It was Legendary's sequel to their 2014 Godzilla reboot, and I was extremely excited. My youngest sister, who is older than me by about 18 months, took me to see it as a surprise when I got off work on its opening night. As I walked into the theater, I looked at the crowd already seated. It was mostly men in their late 20s and early 30s, around my age. Pretty much all of us were black or Hispanic. Like I am. They were also visibly excited, wearing t-shirts with the various monsters we knew were going to be in the film. I was, too. I'm not sure if I've ever felt as instantly welcome in a room in a public place in my, my life. It was almost like being in church. I thought a lot about the movie when it was over, but I also thought a lot about the audience I'd been a part of, both physically and demographically. And I wondered, what had drawn us, all of us, to Godzilla? I mean, obviously there was a boom of Godzilla merchandise and public awareness with the 1998 movie, which had come out when we were all relatively young, but what made it resonate with us more than 20 years later? What made us return? As I thought about this, I was reminded of my family down in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. Almost all of them love monsters. I thought about the few friends I've made in my life who liked Godzilla or King Kong. And I noticed that so many of them, so many of us were Hispanic or black. This thought evolved into the question, Why are so many people like me drawn to these monsters and their stories? I think the answer can be found in my other great storytelling love, the fairy tale. At the beginning of Coraline, which is probably Neil Gaiman's best book, he misquotes one of my favorite writers, G.K. Chesterton. Gaiman gives the quote as, Fairy tales are more than true. Not because they tell us dragons exist, but because they tell us dragons can be beaten." The actual version of the quote from Chesterton's Tremendous Trifles is, "...fairy tales do not give the child his first idea of bogey. What fairy tales give the child is his first clear idea of the possible defeat of bogey. The baby has known the dragon intimately ever since he had an imagination. What the fairy tale provides for him is a Saint George to kill the dragon. He expands much on this idea in his later work, Orthodoxy, which was just as influential on me as Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla later on in my life. And I myself would like to extend Chesterton's logic here. Showing us that the dragon can be defeated shows us that it's vulnerable. The dragon is persecuted for its monstrousness, which makes it a threat to society. And once we realize that not only can monsters be slain, but that many feel that they must be slain, it becomes easy to see them as victims of their own size, strength, and a society that rejects them. As Ishiro Honda said, monsters are tragic beings. They are born too tall, too strong, too heavy. They are not evil by choice. That is their tragedy. I live in a small Texas town in the heart of the state. Or it was a small town. Over the nearly 30 years my family and I have lived here, it has grown and grown. Historically, blacks and Hispanics have been treated very poorly here. One of our major parks was built by enslaved people. Hispanics weren't allowed in that park until the late 1970s, which was also when they were finally legally able to buy property outside of the city's impoverished west side. This prejudice can still be found very easily. In 1996, just a little less than a year before my family moved here, a Ku Klux Klan rally was held in our town square. Louis Ray Beam Jr., the former head of the KKK in Texas, lives here in quiet anonymity. Now, I'm not saying that my formative years were spent fighting off neo-Nazis and hooded Klansmen with pointy sticks. But when you're three years old, you don't understand why so-and-so invited everyone except you and a few other darker-skinned kids to his pool party. You don't understand why a parent in the park might tell their daughter not to talk to you on the playground. You don't understand why the daycare teacher called everyone in for cake except you and the same handful of kids who didn't get invited to that pool party. But all of it hurts. You're aware of racial prejudice. Even if you don't have a name for it or know exactly why it's happening. And at the same time, you're watching movies and TV shows. You see Frankenstein's monster, trapped in a burning windmill while the townspeople cheer. You see Lawrence Talbot, cosmically punished with an ancient curse for trying to help someone, and then hunted down like a dog by the same people who knew him as a child. The monsters are destroyed. Everyone goes home and sleeps well, knowing their way of life is safe until the sequel. You run away from the monster, unless you are going to try to kill it. And then there's Godzilla, monstrous by nature, outcast, he's cresting the hill, coming to destroy the very thing created to destroy him. And he proves superior to it by the same unruly, monstrous virtues that made him an obstacle to his opponents. You see this, and you feel through the language of cinema, that this is the hero, and his victory is what we have been hoping for all along. This is Cinderella, triumphing by turning her faults into virtues. This is Tom Thumb, using his size to his advantage. This is St. George, killing the dragon because, like all of us, he was born with that intimate knowledge of it. Because he has the potential to be the dragon. Godzilla has been the dragon. But even in his very first appearance, we see that Godzilla is truly a monster in accident only. As much our victim as we are his. And this makes his heroic work resonate even more. The first time I realized I had been racially profiled, I was 14 years old. I had a part-time job working for my dad by assembling ductwork for his mechanical contracting business. I made good money, especially for a 14-year-old kid. My mom and sisters and I were downtown shopping, and I decided to check out a store that looked like it might have some cool vintage stuff in it. I was about six foot two at the time, broad-shouldered and uh, very bronze tan from my manual labor in the sun most days of the week, and outdoor basketball games on days off. As I walked up to the door, I saw a middle-aged white woman rush to it from inside. She locked the door. I could hear it on the other side, and then she went away. I had assumed she was coming to unlock the door, but when I put my hand on the knob, it would not open. The temptation to be the monster people see you as is strong, especially in the moment in which you realize that what has just happened to you has been happening your whole life. And every time it happens again, you see the white kids eating cake inside. You feel the doorknob resist your gentle touch. You see the police lights when you tried to turn around in that cul-de-sac because someone gave you bad directions. You see the man on the street in the Make America Great Again hat pointing his finger at you like a gun as you drive home from work. You hear the bride at the wedding you attended single you out to stay behind and pick up garbage. And in that moment, you have a choice. A choice that isn't fair to you, but it's yours nonetheless. Do you become that monster? Or do you embrace your true, wild, unpredictable self and walk away? Do you embrace Mechagodzilla and lash out? Or do you embrace Godzilla and be the better version? The authentic version? No matter what you do, they're going to see you as a monster. So do you live with it and move on, or do you let it eat you alive? The truth is, once we know dragons can be beaten, we know that they're fragile and that we can relate to them. It's especially easy when we ourselves have been beaten throughout our lives. Once we can realize that you must take each dragon on a dragon-by-dragon basis, you know which dragons will help you and which dragons will hurt you. And eventually, you'll know which dragon you are. I didn't have any of these thoughts as I watched this movie for the first time as a three-year-old boy. Sitting too close to the television, with my feet turned inward under my butt setting the stage for many knee and ankle problems in the future. All I could see was that Godzilla was a hero, and Godzilla was a monster. Godzilla was a hero because he was a monster. And maybe someday, if I couldn't be a giant alien fighting hero, I would at least be comfortable being
2: my monster's self. coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Bionic Monster now unleashed with a deadly task never before have Godzilla's mighty powers been so challenged. Godzilla versus The Bionic Monster. Rated G. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW void prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Hello, I'm Robert Kelly. And welcome back to a very special Record All Monsters due to both the circumstances this segment is being recorded in and its significance to the show and to me personally. We have two very special guests here. We have Aubrey.
0: Hi. Who has
1: been on the show a few times before. You might remember her from such films as Gladys the Groovy Mule and Summer, uh, Summer Ape Goes to Christmas Camp. Um, and we also have uh, a first time, well not a first time, she was in one segment, uh, we have my mom, Margarita and Chaka Kelly. Hello. Is here. Whoa! And the reason we have my mom here is because the movie we're talking about, if you heard the essay, which you should have, go back and listen to it if you didn't, and if you did, uh, go back to the end of it and listen to the ads again, because I get paid for every time you hear those. The reason she's here is that this was my first Godzilla movie, and uh, I was three when that happened. We had just moved into the house where my mom currently lives and uh, I had just started school and uh, um, I had just turned three and this is uh, very close to my 30th birthday when the episode will be coming out. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of significance to this movie, to this timing Um, so I thought it'd be good to have a significant guest. Thank you for coming onto the show mom.
3: Of course Robert.
1: So the first thing um, I wanted to ask you about so Godzilla has been uh, omnipresent in my life yes. since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. What was I into before I found out about Godzilla?
3: Well, actually, when you were just a toddler, before you could really say anything, you had some of his habits.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah? Yes.
3: yes who? You would Godzilla's. Yes. You had the waiting pool, and you would get things, and you would make a noise, and then you would drop them from way up high, mm-hmm. and watch them go into the water. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to somehow symbolize some type of like you were the Godzilla mm-hmm. even though you didn't know Godzilla existed
1: it was a, a destructive urge Yes. being mm-hmm. uh, satisfied
3: yes you liked watching that happen over and over so that kind of like when I did see you watching the movies it took me back to when you did that
1: hmm. what a was there anything I, I remember? Really being into Batman.
3: Well, yes, you were into Batman, but you just continued to be into Batman yes. at the same time. That didn't no go it didn't away. stop.
1: Did you know that there was in 1966 a planned Godzilla and Batman crossover? No, with I didn't the Adam West Batman TV oh, show.
0: That would what yeah. happened to it?
1: It just never panned out. They just couldn't.
0: Can we get on that?
1: <laughs> well, Adam West is dead.
0: Oh, well. Okay, well, calm
1: down. I
3: know. Uh, <laughs> well, Godzilla's really not alive.
0: But.
1: Yeah, so it's a mixed <laughs> bag. Um, so, do that you? That would have
3: been ideal for you.
1: It would have. Do you remember anything uh, particular about? Because I have very distinct memories mm-hmm. of that day. Mm-hmm. That we. I don't remember. I know it was a Friday because that was when we went grocery shopping, and then to Hollywood Video. Right. Um, do you remember anything particular about that day in particular? Or was it just a day that we went to get the
3: well, thing? Well, I think the fact that when we went that day, it seemed like you crossed over from just wanting movies that were like cartoons to something more grown-up. Mhm. And so it was you you just had never even really shown any interest in the the movies those other types of movies, but that day something just sparked your interest.
1: I I I remember pretty distinctly that I went to where the the cartoon episodes and TV show episodes on tape were. Mhm and that I had watched everything there that I wanted to.
3: So you had to move on. There,
1: there were like four dinosaurs tapes, the Jim Henson show,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, that I had rented all of. I think there was a Muppet show thing that I had rented. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the George of the Jungle cartoons that I had liked to rent those. Mm-hmm. But I had seen everything that was there
3: Right, so in your little three-year-old mind, you had, you had <laughs> seen him, and you were ready to move on.
1: Yeah, I went to, I remember, I went looking for other dinosaur things, basically. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember I saw that, and I saw Planet of the Dinosaurs, which was from the 70s as well. But I didn't get that one because there was a woman's butt on the cover.
3: What? Mm. Well, I remember thinking, should I let him look in this other section or not? Is he too little? Because they might be scary things. hmm But we went ahead and let you... Well, he wasn't little. He was young. <laughs> well, he was never little. He was big. He was a <laughs> tall boy. But he was only three.
1: I uh, I also remember at different times, I... Like, later on, in wanting dinosaur movies, I checked out all three Carnosaur movies at different times, mm-hmm. which were R-rated Jurassic Park cash mm. But I never paid attention to the movies, so I didn't... Like, I just waited till the dinosaurs were on screen. So
3: are you telling me that I let you take R-rated movies home?
1: Well, I... No, I'm thinking that... <laughs> I don't think so. I, He's
0: distributing this information.
1: Well, here's here's...
0: You're under forty. Uh, 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 she can I. Call. Someone
1: could call CP. <laughs> what I think happened is,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you knew that
3: mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't really paying attention to the movies unless the dinosaurs were on screen. Mm-hmm. And I also remember you always looked at the ratings on the movies, yes. and a lot of the ratings would say even if they they said R, but they would say what for Uh terror?
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So I figured you were like, oh, well, he's not, like, adult themes. He's not going to be paying attention to adult themes.
3: Oh, Okay, well, that makes me feel better.
1: That was <laughs> what I have thought okay. all my life. I do remember that when I put one of the car The third one. Mm-hmm. I just put the tape in and I was playing with my... With dinosaur toys waiting for dinosaurs to show up. Mm-hmm. And... Having watched the movie since then and remembering where it was...
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Someone... Dropped an f-bomb, and you had taken it out at that point. But when I was a kid, Uh and I I was older, I was like maybe seven for that this time. For that, yeah. Uh, I hadn't been. That's
3: even worse because then you understood.
1: No, I hadn't been paying attention. Uh, It's having watched it since then, like Uh as an adult.
3: Right.
1: I remembered that you stopped it at that part and took it out. Oh, okay. And. I was upset because the dinosaurs hadn't even showed up. And there was my rental for this weekend. Yeah, that was a bad
3: choice on my part, letting you take
1: that one. But you, you remedied but it. But I
3: didn't know, yes.
1: You remedied it. Um, I also remember renting a lot of very bad dinosaur movies, like Theodore Do you remember X.
3: trying to walk like a dinosaur?
1: <laughs> Why don't you elaborate on that? Yes. This is this is part of why I wanted to have you on. I wanted.
3: Yes. Well, the thing was, um, early on, like when I said, you would drop things in the water. You would also make these dinosaur faces. And whenever I went somewhere, like if y'all stayed home with your dad and I went shopping, I would always bring everybody something back. And I would always try to find you a little plastic dinosaur because um, I knew that you would like that. And so I was always trying to get a different-looking one so that you could have different ones. And um, so I think that there was just something about how they moved and how you moved. So I don't know if you learned to move like that from how you moved them and you thought that's how it was, hmm. or if that was just natural to you. But
1: I, I think it's a mix because people still comment that I move... Like a very large thing,
3: <laughs> which I am a very large thing. You are very large, but, and you always were. <laughs>
1: um, I remember when I was in the monastery in Canada, I remember uh, someone described how I walked mm-hmm. as uh, elephantine.
3: Hmm, I don't like
1: that. I don't either, but no. it's no. like,
3: but see, I have a picture of you on your first day of kindergarten, yes. And you're wearing uh, like a camo shirt mm-hmm. and you have your backpack on mm-hmm. and you're walking like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were gonna when you
1: brought yeah. up walking like
0: a dinosaur, I thought you were gonna say how when would like go to the mall, he would walk around with his <laughs> hands like dinosaur forearms and stick his He always bottom did, but see out, by like, then, a tail.
3: I knew he had seen Dinosaurs, and but then places even like, like a
0: bipedal dinosaur, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then roared first. the people who walked by.
1: Oh, I, I remember when I was for my third birthday. We were <laughs> living in a rental house while our house was being built. The
0: pink mm-hmm. house.
1: The pink house, yeah. And I remember, Auto. yes, I remember that you picked me up from school a little mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone. I think it was already the fair day stuff. Mm-hmm that plagues my birthday in this town. (laughs) Um, So I don't think anyone else had school but me because it was daycare, really. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, coming home and all of my toy dinosaurs that you had been buying me Uh were lined up on the railway of the porch. Yes, I remember doing that. Um, And it was so exciting because in my mind they had come out to greet me. (laughs)
3: On and they had with my help mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and so I remember yes. that just so after after this uh, this change this you mm-hmm. know search for something more mm-hmm. grown up that resulted right. in Godzilla
3: mm-hmm.
1: how did that affect like because we, we all would watch the movies together mm-hmm. more or less how did that affect family movie time
3: well, I think that then you were more invested in who got to watch their movie what day and first. Mm-hmm. It became more important to you, and then there were more difficulties because not everyone wanted to watch those movies. They were, di- they were different Some people than make fun um, of them. the others, <laughs> than, than what everybody else liked. But their, your sister Aubrey did. Uh, Share that love with you.
1: Yes, she would play play with me.
3: Yeah, she would play dinosaurs with you. But I think too, it also affected what you read, Mm -hmm. the books you picked so i mean that goes on past movies
1: and just kind of can you give some examples of that that you can remember
3: well i remember that we would um well i had books in my classroom and so when i would when you were going to go visit me Mm -hmm. i would go to the library and pick some dinosaur books to keep in there for you to see Mm -hmm. or i would check them out from the school and then you always wanted to see them and then when we would go like to bookstores you always wanted to look in that section so you just love them in all kinds of
1: ways. I I remember I had uh, several encyclopedias.
0: I was gonna say every summer <clears throat> when we would go we we were uh, would go to a big bookstore and were allowed to get a bunch of books, you would find like the really cool DK ones or mm-hmm. something that had dinosaurs or some kind of animalistic something like that. And those were the books you got. And then, I would also say that it's obviously influenced other things, like your the clothes you wanted to buy, like the t-shirts and mm-hmm. things, even when you're a little...
1: I remember... And I
3: think the colors you like, too.
1: Yeah, so, like, my favorite color legitimately is charcoal gray. Hmm. I think it's very pretty.
0: And then earlier, when Mom was saying you were ready for the step-up and the segue between watching... Remember how we watched dinosaurs and... There was that other one with the kids, and then the little dinosaurs came to life and they would run around. Oh,
1: prehysteria.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you also didn't mention the connection of the puppetry, not just. That's and true. And the Jim Henson
3: stuff.
1: Because I always. Jesus, I always liked uh, the Muppets and.
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: Stuff like that.
3: Well, I think part of the thing is, too, that you were different than a lot of uh, children your age. Especially boys, because you were not um, playing video games all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, that wasn't something that you spent your time on. So I think you were able to use your imagination and your creativity more when you played. Um, and with the time you had, you researched. You you wanted to be more knowledgeable about stuff. So I think that it helped you to to just be a smarter person.
1: Mm-hmm. So all this from Godzilla.
3: Yes, I think and so. Dinosaurs. I think so.
1: Well, uh and the
3: fact that you're so big <laughs> kind of just fit with that. Maybe also think about that because you were like way taller than the kids in your class you were all the time in a
0: small space and so were yeah. those other
1: things. Well, that that is one so of That was relatable. That is one of the themes in the essay portion of this episode. Mm-hmm. That it Godzilla gave me something to relate to where in monsters in general, but Godzilla specifically, mm-hmm. that was not. Uh, I had a hard time identifying with a lot of like superhero characters mm-hmm. outside of Batman, and it just, it just didn't click for me. But mm-hmm. something about the monsters did.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is relative to.
1: Right. Well, uh, we're going to go to break. Okay. and uh we will have a game show segment when we come back which uh i don't remember what i named it so let's call it a uh, game show Mecca na- na- madness something oh, like that, that. Sounds good. okay yeah <laughs> when we get back okay
2: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Bionic Monster. A menacing giant. An awesome machine. Unleashed with a deadly task. Godzilla. The only hope for Earth's survival. Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster. Godzilla strives to win supremacy in a fight to the end. Will Godzilla triumph? The Earth survive? Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster. An Earth-shaking movie. Rated G. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello and welcome back to Record All Monsters, where we are here with our specialist of guests, uh, my mom. Woo! Aubrey had to uh, go home. Um, I alluded to some circumstances earlier. I will talk more about that in the the outro. For now, let's focus on the game show. Okay, the
3: game
1: show. Now, actually, Mom, uh, in the previous segment, we had talked about that I wore a camo shirt mm-hmm. on that first day of mm-hmm. kindergarten or first grade. I don't
3: kindergarten. <laughs> it was your first day of kindergarten,
1: and that was the fall of nineteen ninety-seven, right? Yes. So I remember that I had wanted to wear. A blue Godzilla shirt with the 1997 mm-hmm. Godzilla on it. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of that framed in the house somewhere of me and that shirt.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I wanted to wear that on the first day.
3: I think that picture of that shirt is when you're at Atlanta Park on playing, I think.
1: I think so. But you told me that I will have plenty of time to wear the Godzilla shirt. <laughs>
3: That shouldn't be your first introduction to your teacher.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't uh, know why.
3: I don't either now, but at that point it made sense.
1: Um, and now I wear Godzilla t-shirts pretty much every day. Yes. That I'm not at work. Mhm. Um, so, that noted. We're going to move into our game show segment, which I said uh, be- before the break was called Mecha Madness, but it's actually the robot edition of our recurring game show, What's in a name?
3: Okay.
1: So, Mechagodzilla is not the only evil robot doppelganger.
3: Okay, first remind me, there are no prizes here.
1: Um, we'll get to that. Okay. Mechagodzilla <laughs> is not I know the, how
3: hard I should try.
1: Mechagodzilla is not the only evil robot doppelganger. As a matter of fact, there are so many that I've decided that that's what this episode's game show should be about. If you win, I will make a good robot clone of you to perform your more unpleasant jobs. Really? <laughs> if you lose, I will create an evil robot version of you to go around town and make it look like you are doing crimes. Mm,
3: that's okay
1: too. Just kidding. I'm not allowed to do any of that. There are no prizes or penalties. Oh, okay. Okay. Question one. Alvin and the Chipmunks are a popular cartoon singing group.
3: True.
1: In the 2015 iteration of their franchise... An evil record executive makes a robot version of the band to eat up their market share. What true or false was the name of this imposter band, Calvin and the Hip Monks?
3: <laughs> I say no.
1: That is true. I
3: say true.
1: No, oh, Mama. <laughs>
3: Why not? That was a practice one. That was a
1: practice one?
3: Yes. That one doesn't count. No, there
1: are only five questions. Okay, well, there's only
3: four. That was a practice (laughs) one.
1: King Kong is Big Monkey. Okay. There have been many Big Monkey, Mm -hmm. but King Kong first.
3: Okay.
1: Is King Kong's robot doppelganger named Mecha-Kong? Yes. No.
3: Oh my gosh, another practice one. No. <laughs> His name is... That means I'm only going to have two chances. His
1: name is Mechanicon.
3: I, I thought that's what you said. No. <laughs>
1: okay.
3: All right, so now let's do it for real.
1: Okay, for real.
3: For
1: real. Popular 1980s cartoon He-Man was about a space... Barbarian who fought a skeleton. Okay. Was He-Man's robot doppelganger named Faker?
3: No. <laughs> yes. Yes. <it> was. <laughs> oh my gosh! Why didn't you give me like a tutorial before we did this? Uh,
1: you've heard the show. You've but been I the game before. I,
3: I had won before when
1: I played. Well, you one yes. Big one.
3: But these are like very um random things.
1: So was the other one no, you were no, on. no the other
3: I, there was logic that I could get to that point.
1: No, you were using everyone else's answers to pick your answer. No, you <laughs> are. Okay. Your son in law and my brother in law is a big fan of the Transformers. Mm-hmm. The good guys in the Transformers were called the Autobots. And their leader was Optimus Prime.
3: Yes, I know that.
1: When Megatron, the leader of the Decepticons... There
3: you go, trying to trick me.
1: (laughs) When Megatron, the leader of the Decepticons, made a fake Optimus Prime to infiltrate their group of the Autobots...
3: Can you see me rolling my eyes? I can.
1: (laughs) I think they can hear it. Was... That fake Optimus's name, Scourge.
3: Okay, this one has to be false because all the others were true. <laughs> no, it's true! it's true. Oh my gosh. Okay, I bet if we do them all again, I will still miss them because they don't make sense.
1: Mama, it's simple. I ask no. you: Is this the name of? I tell you. But I tell you about the robot, yeah. and I ask you, is this the robot's name?
3: But the the one you're telling me doesn't sound like it would be real.
1: <laughs> well, here's the kicker.
3: It's not real.
1: They're not real. Okay. They're all made up.
3: Well, that's fine. But it sounds like you made it
1: up. Well, that's because <laughs> I am very creative and intelligent. Yes, that's it. Okay.
2: Um, so, finally,
1: yeah. our mm-hmm. family is... uh Our family loves Christmas Mm -hmm, and Christmas movies, almost uncritically. Yes. Um, Among these that we love uncritically Mm -hmm. is the Santa Claus franchise starring Tim Allen.
3: Yes.
1: Now, in the second The Santa Claus movie,
3: Mm, where
1: he has to find a wife before Christmas, Mm -hmm. he has to leave the North Pole.
3: Yes.
1: So he creates... A robot Santa
3: mm-hmm.
1: to run things. Yes. While why couldn't he is that gone? be the question? I would oh, get that right. It is one of the questions.
3: No, but I mean that whether why he created him. <laughs> Go on.
1: Um, so <laughs> you made me lose my spot. <laughs> he creates a fake mm-hmm. san- Robot Santa mm-hmm. to run the North Pole while he's gone. Yes. Um was this fake Santa mm-hmm. named Mom, That's all ha- how all I know. Describe the robot, bad. ask you what the robot's name is. Was his name all caps S A N 2.
3: I to say no, Mama. You, got, yes. one right. Yay! you Yay! got one
1: right. His name was Toy Santa. That's
3: the only one counted. The other ones don't
1: matter. <laughs> oh, so I guess you win. Yes, I win. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for for agreeing to do the show. Yes, I and really happy, appreciate it.
3: Happy uh, birthday! Uh,
1: thank you. In a couple of days. Thank you. Uh, this is actually going to come out on my birthday. Oh, okay, great. So uh, that was not my plan at all, but mm-hmm. it it just worked out that way Mm
3: -hmm.
1: okay i'm actually many weeks behind on releasing the show oh and i'm putting the episodes out as i complete them
3: oh
1: okay so this is it just worked out this way it's gonna be done by friday
3: it's the perfect one for your birthday
1: it really is and i'll join you all back on the other side with courtney to tell you about what's coming up and where you can send money instead of to me Well, all right. <laughs> I'm very sorry this one took so long uh, to, to come out. Uh, it was on schedule to come out two weeks after our previously released episode. But uh, there was a lot going on in our lives. Amberlee had a surgery to reverse uh, her previous surgery. And... That was a, a difficult time. The, the interview portion with my mother and sister were recorded in the, the surgical waiting room at the hospital. Because, again, I was trying to get it out. Um, my mom was always who I wanted to have on for this episode because she you know, she gave the green light on that rental and that set the stage for the rest of my life and led us to this moment that we are here uh, it was supposed to come out back in September on the 23rd uh, which was my birthday uh, so it was going to have a lot of significance in that way but it's out now and that's what's important uh, we, we made it, we got it out <laughs> a lot of things happened over the course of September and October, including my grandmother passing away uh my depression getting much worse uh and I just was not able to to work on the show. Uh, I was taking all of my energy day to day to survive uh we do we did have a couple of medical emergencies myself and Courtney as well during that time um so if you feel like uh, giving us a little bit of financial help, there are options for that. We do have Amber Lee's uh, GoFundMe is still up. She has lost her health insurance. so That would be a huge thing. There will be a link in the description to that. Um, also, our uh, Patreon coffee, which I always want to say Ko-Fi because phonetically, it should be that. And, and we have uh, of course the Tee Public store uh, which our most recent design was uh, Jaguar Punch 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 uh, I love it I have that, I'm going to be putting up some pictures on our socials of me with that shirt um, because it is a good time this week, it looks like our episode on the Monster Island Film Vault uh, that Courtney and I guested on will be coming out. We discuss Colossal uh, at some length with Nathan Marchand, who is uh, the host of that show as well as the uh, features editor at Kaiju Ramen, where I have an article in the most recent issue on Gorgo and the relationship with children and giant monster movies. Uh, it is largely based... On the uh, the Gorgo essay portion, but there's some newer stuff in there uh, as well. Also, it's just fun to see my name in print. I don't know if you'll get the exact same thrill from it, but I enjoy it. <laughs> With all that said, uh, you can follow us on our social medias. We're still on Twitter, uh, at MonstersRecord. If Twitter continues, we're probably not going to leave it, but we'll probably move our interactions to other social medias. Um, I don't know if we can do Mastodon because it's whenever you you tweet it or put, post something, it's called tooting, and that's just too funny. So maybe we have to do it. Maybe we have to toot. <laughs> Uh, but you can also still find us on Facebook by searching Record All Monsters Podcast, and we are on Instagram at RecordAllMonsters.pod. We have an email address, recordallmonsterspod at gmail.com. Uh, um, for the next episode, it's coming out when it's coming out. It's gonna be on Terror of Mechagodzilla. In all honesty, my goal with Record All Monsters was always to talk about this movie that we talked about today. Um, it's one of the most influential moments of my life, was the first time I saw that movie, and I'm glad I could speak to that. Um, and it's... You can look at it in a couple ways. If you're doing a five-paragraph essay where you would have uh, your thesis statement at the end of the first paragraph and then at the end of the last paragraph, um, these two years of Record All Monsters we're probably the end of that first paragraph. I have more in that vein to talk about about giant monster movies. It is one of my passions in my life. And I hope to continue to see you guys around when we get to Terror of Mechagodzilla, and then uh, we will be taking an extended break, most likely into the summer, before coming back with Season 3, which I'm already... Uh, I'm excited about. We have some big ideas for season three. The first half of season three is going to focus on Kong exploitation, uh, the King Kong myriad King Kong exploitation movies that came out during the late '70s, thanks to Dino De Laurentiis, and that's also going to take us down some rabbit holes, looking at uh, what inspired Dino De Laurentiis to get there how he kept trying to catch up to Jaws after King Kong wasn't quite as big as he wanted it to be. And, uh... That's going to be a good time and some new ground for Record All Monsters. In the second half of Season 3, we're going to be looking at the Godzilla Heisei series and how that uh, started and stopped and started. <laughs> Much like this show itself. So, probably, hopefully... Next month, we'll have out, uh, Terror Don't worry, I know I promised a Halloween special, and Halloween seems to have come and gone, but there will still be a Halloween special out. Uh, it's be- I need to edit it. We recorded, uh, we recorded a little bit of a thing about a spooky thing that's Tokusatsu related. So, with all that said, uh, I'm getting back on my feet, and if you want to help, look in the socials, look in the notes. And I appreciate it if you do. I also appreciate it if you can't, and are just going to be listening, because... I mean, that's why I do it. I do it to share... I do this to share my love of giant monster movies with you. And I hope you keep coming back. Alright, so between now and whenever the next time may be. Don't forget that monsters are your friends.